Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is the AC Report. Well, they blew up a chicken man in Philly last night. And they blew up his house, too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do Now there's trouble bussing in from out of state And the DA can't get no relief Gonna be a rumble on the promenade And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth Everything dies, baby, that's a fact Maybe everything that dies someday he comes back. Put your makeup on, fish your hair up pretty, and meet me tonight. Ah, yes, time for our weekly look at the most interesting 48 blocks in America, although the issue that we're looking at today is not something that just affects the state of New Jersey. This affects the entire country and, to some extent, the whole world, because esports is taking the world by storm. And I'm betting that uh, a lot of you had the same reaction that I had when I first heard that esports was the next big thing, which is... What is it again? And here to tell us about it is L. Anthony God, the creative director and creative business director for G3 Esports. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us on the radio. It's great to talk to you. Good morning, Frank. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Anthony, you have a uh, a fascinating background. You have done a a great deal. You've been an Emmy Award winning creative director. You've been a media entrepreneur. You've been an innovative an innovator in marketing. Now you're working with G3 Esports. Before we get into what you're doing, explain to folks who have never heard this term before what esports is well the simplest way to say it is esports stands for electronic sports and the, the video games basically so anything competitive where you play a video game against somebody else that's an electronic sport and it's started in the 1980s late 1970s when atari started and it's just grown and grown and grown to the point now where electronic sports and esports is the one of the biggest entertainment it's one of the biggest things that people do for for fun uh, when they go out with their friends. So 
Um, how would gambling on esports work? Let's say Obi, who's here in studio with me, let's say we're both playing Mario Kart. Would uh, Matt, who's across the uh, across the hall from us, would he be able to place a bet on who's going to win the video game race between Obi and me? It's a little. It's more that you would be able to win money if you bet on yourself in Mario Kart, right? So there's three different ways to do it. If you look at it from the point of view of it's just a regular sport. You can't really wager on yourself as you play soccer um, because soccer is a, is a sanctioned sport and you, you, you're, you're, there's lines on the players. And so the way that we do it or the way that we're proposing to do it is that when you play against other people, it's more like poker. And you could also wager on professionals, which, by the way, there are a lot of professionals, which probably surprises people. There are professional video game players now. Uh, that you could wager on, and that's like a sports book. So when you play against each other, like in Mario Kart, the example you mentioned, that is paramutual or peer-to-peer. And when you wager on other people, professionals, where there's lines, that is more like sports book. And the surprising thing, just if I could go back as an aside, I used to own a company in Korea, um, and about in 2009, um, you know, there was somebody across the street that was really, you know, you always know when there's someone, a celebrity around. And I said, we're going out, out to lunch with some people. And I said, well, what's going on? What's the commotion over there? And they said, well, that's a professional StarCraft player. And I said, StarCraft is <laughs> a video game? And I said, and I said, yeah, it's a StarCraft player. And then when I went back to the hotel room, there were three television channels dedicated to big arenas, 30,000, 60,000, you know, daily, nightly shows dedicated to video games being played. And I thought, this is incredible. This is just absolutely, because I love video games, right? So being able to bring that back from Korea where it started uh, to the States was something that we, when I was working at Disney, after I left Disney, this is what we wanted to do. And because I grew up near Atlantic City, right outside of Atlantic City, we thought this was a great wagering opportunity for the city moving forward. If people just tuning in, we're talking with uh, L. Anthony Gaud. Uh, by the way, I'm sitting next to E. O'Brien Murray. What is your first, what does your L stand for, Anthony? Oh, it's Lewis. 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 And my father has the same name, and it's just one of those things that I don't. Like I get. It. I love it. I love it. My my son is the most Irish looking Carmine Morano that has ever existed, and I could easily see him if he gets tired of people uh, mis uh, mis mis ethnicing him, whatever the proper term is, using C a uh, C William Morano in the future. I can absolutely see that. Um, give us a quick update, Anthony, on what the status is in terms of the law and gambling on esports. I go go to a lot of casinos in Atlantic City and elsewhere and right now there's no place in the sports book the sports book or elsewhere to go place a bet on Mario Kart or StarCraft or any of these popular video games where are we with the regulation of gambling on esports well, I am the chair of the uh, regulated video game and esports committee for the esports trade association which is a national organization where the esports uh organizations come to, to, it's a trade association, so it's where they come to trade and associate. Um, in New Jersey, it is legal to wager on esports and video games, and it has been for quite a while. And what we're doing is taking advantage of what the law allows us to do to bring this new uh, opportunity for the casinos so to bring a much younger crowd. People don't realize that video games are actually um, – the average video game player is 35 years old. Most people think it's a 15-year-old, but it's mm-hmm. actually 35-year-olds are the 
And a 42-year-old female with playing mobile games, you know, like Candy Crush, they're the majority of the video game players. So in New Jersey, it is legal to wager on video games now. But the technology doesn't exist yet to, to make the kind of the sportsbook versions of what these things allow you to do so you can wager on the games. So my company, which is called the Godhammer Gaming Group, we're creating that. We're the first to do that. In Nevada, in Las Vegas, it's also legal to wager on third-party sportsbook games. And in about 15 other states, uh, wagering on eSports is legal now. So it's something that's actually starting to happen. Uh, and as the technology catches up to the law, you're going to see a lot more of it with younger people. Is there a critical mass that becomes a tipping point for you in this that you see as you, you go across the country? As far as yeah, I, I think it's it's a yeah, I think it's a technology issue um, which we're we're solving. So we're going to see in the next twelve months to eighteen months, uh, it, it's going to become more common. Is the technology before you get critical mass in number of states, or did the states start approving it, and then there's a reason for technology to be invested in? It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. So it's a, it's it's the law allows the technology to flourish, and now this technology can catch up and expand. So I think as people see this being exposed, you know, once once one state starts, the other states will pick up on it. So it's, I think it's a little bit of both. But New Jersey's in the lead for sure. And specifically, the Division of Gaming Enforcement in New Jersey is the, the, the one that really is pushing it more than anybody else in the country. How much money do you think there is in terms of a legal gambling market in uh, a state like New Jersey, for instance, Anthony? It's hard to tell, right? It's it's sort of a a long game, right? So one of the things that people have to realize is casinos rely on slot machines for 80% of their revenue, right? And and that is – slot machines are not popular with people, what they call millennials and Generation Z. So as as the casinos have such a heavy reliance on that, we need another product that sort of replaces it over time, right? Because as people age out of of, – and what is that product? So Las Vegas has done a different approach. Las Vegas recognizes that same fact and started transitioning their, their the city into entertainment. But Atlantic City hasn't done that. Not yet. It's, it's slower to that point. So a lot of the casinos all over the country have to, they can't become Las Vegas. They're going to have to replace it with a new product. So I think part of what you're saying with the tipping point is that transitional product that appeals to younger people. But the numbers, I couldn't tell you how big it is because it's it's still to be seen. How about how soon until you think people will be able to go into a casino and play a video game and gamble on that video game? How how long until that's the case? Are we talking six months, a year, two years, five years? About a year. It's a year. Be about a year. Mm-hmm. And, and how predictable is the income going to be for the casinos when they do that? I mean, the slot machines are eighty percent because it's predictable revenue. They've got earnings every quarter. You know, they move away from Baccarat quite a bit and they, you know, the slots and everything else goes with it. We had prototype events uh, right before COVID. And it's hard to tell because, you know, COVID changed everything. Uh, but those events were bringing in thousands of people just to Atlantic City, right? So we, we had like a Halo Championship, which is a video game played by, uh, created by Microsoft. And we were able to bring, you know, the show, but we were able to bring about 3,000 people for a two, three day stay at the showboat. Um, I think it's going to be on par with current casinos, uh, but it's going to take about five years to get to that part. It's a transition, right? So, but it'll it'll supplant 
the current generation of gamblers. And over time, because the one thing is that video games are much more endemic, meaning that the average population doesn't play, uh, doesn't gamble on a regular basis if you exclude lottery, but about 70% of the population plays video games on a daily basis in the United States. Mm. So it, it's something people already do. So what we're saying is, okay, well, let's make sure that we bring the average gamer, which is the 35-year-old, and we transition a product for them. So you can see that the, the, the marriage of video games and gambling is, is a bigger world than gambling ever was by itself. So I couldn't give you the numbers because I think I would just be making numbers up, but I think it's going to be definitely on par, if not bigger, than what we currently see. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And, and casinos have limited square footage, no matter where they are, if there's a square footage issue, especially Atlantic City because of the streets and so forth. With, mm-hmm. with everything going on there, how many, whether it be measured by tens or hundreds of gamers, how much space does 10 gamers need what you're talking about to, to be able to, the energy you're talking about and to draw people to be able to uh, participate, bet, and so forth? I think it's about the same. I mean, you will see that the one difference is, do you remember Atlantic City in the 80s when we used to have those boxing matches on a regular basis? Sure. That was very fun, right? I grew up that way. Um, you're going to see that again, and that's it's so you have these events that are that are weekly and in, in, which bring in a couple of thousand people every weekend for those sort of events. And there's ballrooms, and there's there's already these kind of 1600 stage arenas at Atlantic City at Caesars and other places that are really suitable for that weekly activity. And, and, and then got, on the floor, yeah, go ahead. No, you get the convention center too, so you, you go off site, so they're not mm-hmm. they're not worried about the floor as much. What you're talking about. Then the question for the casinos always becomes where the convention center was between a couple of casinos the old convention center, it was, where, what do we do you know, to, to get the event there so they come to our property afterwards along the boardwalk? Right, that synergy, right, the, between the, 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 the event and the, the convention. Mean, our first event that we actually had was at the old convention center um, upstairs in the, the ballroom. We had a couple of thousand people come out for that for the collegiate esports championship. So that's another thing that people probably listening don't realize. Esports in college is a bigger deal than all of NCAA basketball wow. in college from a player's point of view. There's there's twice as many players. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah. No, I, I'm not surprised. Hey, Anthony, we've been talking a little bit about New Jersey, but you mentioned Las Vegas. There are a lot of other gambling localities. Uh, we're talking to folks in Baltimore now. There's a great casino down there, Philadelphia and elsewhere. Are there any places in the United States now where uh, gambling on esports e- 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 is regularly occurring? Yeah, in Europe. So Europe is uh, already pretty deep into this. And if you look at what they're doing, we had an event here in tw- is an online event right after COVID where we were allowing New Jersey residents or people in New Jersey to wager on an event uh, with allied esports. And we didn't advertise it. We just got the event approved the day before the event even went on. Um, so it was like almost just came out of nowhere for most people. Uh, and it had 1.7 million viewers. I mean, that's that's how big it is, 
right? You don't advertise it. Don't tell anybody. You get the event approved the day before it goes on because we're still figuring out how to do these things and get it approved. And you still have 1.7 million people view it. Wow. And the the thing is, it, that audience is much younger. Uh, there's a dividing line. Like after the age of, under the age of 45, the cable line, because I used to, you know, I used to, I actually created a cable television channel with Comcast. So we have this thing called the, the, the cable line, which is over the age of 45, you probably have cable. Under the age of 45, you'd never had cable mm. or you don't have cable. And that viewing habits of the under 45 don't watch traditional sports as much and watch esports. So, but over the age of 45, you probably never even heard of esports, let alone watch it. So it's like that dividing line is a pretty big right. dividing line when it comes to media. I was, I was fascinated about four or five years ago when Ballers came out with a, a episode or a season almost about the league. I, I, oh, pulled I remember it up, that. The League of Legends. I was telling Frank about it. And it was phenomenal, Frank. The energy, these guys, yeah, I'm going to check it out. They had their posses. They had, it was fantastic. And The Rock is great in that show. Yeah, it? no, I, I'm, I'm going to check it out. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Anthony God. He is the founder and chair of the Esports Trade Association and the founder of the Godhammer Gaming Group. A lot of expertise in the esports arena, which apparently is going to be the next big thing. Anthony, I could definitely see the appeal of one of the things that's frustrating when you play a slot or even when you play blackjack or craps is that you don't really have control in spite of what people say in terms of dice setting. You don't really have control over how the dice land. It it is nice uh, to be able to actually place a bet uh, on your own skill. And if you're confident in your ability to play video games or things of that nature, it's nice to see that you might actually be able to, um, you know, make some money doing that. So I could see the appeal. Before I uh, let you go, though, I do have to ask you about uh, an unrelated, somewhat unrelated issue, and that's artificial intelligence. You know, the leaders, the leaders in AI this week sent a letter, a a whole bunch of them. Uh, the you know the the chat gpt people the google people everybody saying that we got to keep an eye on this because there's a, at least a chance that artificial intelligence could result in human extinction uh where are you on uh humans going extinct well i'm against it there you go <laughs> no uh I go around, I've been telling people lately, because we, we, our company does a lot of work in artificial intelligence, and, and one of our product developer, the, the head product officer, uh, actually worked at NVIDIA with AI that we brought over. So we do a lot of talking about it, we do a lot of work in it, uh, and use it quite a bit. And I think, I'll put it this way, I had a dinner party about three weeks ago, and I had some professors over in the house and we were talking about artificial intelligence and I was showing them the state of the art. And at the end of, it took me about an hour. At the end of that hour, they were stunned as to what, how far AI had traversed in six months from, from basically zero to the public anyway, from JATPT, these large language models coming out. They were stunned and depressed and scared by the end of the night. And that is the, that is the right way to be. People do not realize how far technology has moved in six months. And I, I keep telling my kids, because I have two, my wife and I have a 16 year old twins. We don't know what they're going to do 
for a living, and we don't know what any 16 is going to train for or go to school for because the world is changing that fast, and people are going to think that, well, I'm just being alarmist. This is just a, a person who's just trying to get attention. This is real. And in the movie The Terminator, which is going to sound like Sarah Connor. No, I've said I've used the same analogy, and I don't have your expertise. It's real. All of it that we saw in the movies. Remember that line in Jurassic Park? Like, we didn't think whether we should. We just, you know, we uh, um, whether we, we we wonder whether we could, and we never wonder whether we should. But we did it. It's over. It's here. And in three years, the first artificial living thing, in a certain sense, is going to arrive on Earth, and we have no idea what to expect from this thing. It's going to be smarter than us, and it sounds crazy, right? But that's exactly what's happening. We created our successors, So we have no idea what they're going to do. So is there anything that could be done to prevent our own extinction at this point? I don't know if extinction is the right word. See, the reason they say extinction isn't just because this living thing is created. It's the one bad actor. Right. So you give a tool that's the most powerful tool ever created. They could outsmart us, outthink us, and you give it to one bad person who could then create a virus or create the downfall of all technology and kill every computer network in the world to do anything. That's where the extinction event comes from. So it isn't necessarily the tool itself. It's who can use it. And that's really the big worry. How do you how do you prevent a bad actor from getting it? Well, on that upbeat note, Anthony God, <laughs> uh, let me ask you: uh, if you had to pick, let me. The question I ask everybody in this segment: your absolute doesn't matter the type of cuisine, doesn't matter high end or casual. Your absolute favorite restaurant in Atlantic City? What is it? Oh my God! It's Tony's Baltimore Grill. Tony's Baltimore Grill. Two weeks in a row. Love it. All right. Um, uh, thank you, Anthony. Uh, hopefully, I'll run into you in Atlantic City one of these days before humans go extinct. And uh, thanks mm. for uh, the education in the world of e of uh, esports. Anytime, Frank. Thank you. Uh, if you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight featuring O.B. Murray. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.